when was the last time you preached through Ezekiel? Heck, when was the last time I even read through a major prophet from start to finish? I'm a New Testament guy. What sort of tensions exist when you move into the weird and wild world of exilic apocalyptic literature and prophetic street theater in a Jewish refugee camp? How many chapters are in Ezekiel? In this episode of The Teaching Pastor, we circle back around with Dave Gundlach, teaching pastor at Grace Fellowship Church in Costa Mesa, and we geek out about the factors leading up to preaching through the book of Ezekiel. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Teaching Pastor Podcast. We are here with standing desks and coffee <laughs> with Dave Gunlock. How are you doing, Dave? I'm well, my back feels great. <laughs> standing desk uh-huh. and, and soft gel pad. Soft gel pad. Soft gel pad for I'm, the feet. I feel like a millennial. I just feel really hip right now. You are super hip. Is that your muse, the soft gel pad? Like you call upon your muse for all of this? I feel grounded, yeah. Well, Dave, you're the first repeat on the Teaching Pastor podcast, so congratulations. Thank you. So, um, uh, and I have, I'm the one who kind of initiated this, and I'm taking you back in time to um, a series that you did. We talked a little bit about it in your episode, but your series on Ezekiel. Um, which you started in January of 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ezekiel is not exactly the church growth medicine. Uh, how how did you, when did you first encounter Ezekiel? And how did you decide, I want to do a series on Ezekiel? Well, we've been trying to prevent church growth for years. So <laughs> That's right. So We'd have we, no room. Yeah, we, we've, we've tried Revelation. We've tried Romans in a year. Uh, so yeah, um, Ezekiel, I, what happened was, uh, actually a member of our church sent me an email with a link to an article. It was a pretty brief article and the article's title was yawning at tigers. And, uh, the idea was that the church is just becoming, uh, immune to the, just the, the greatness of God and the wildness of God and this picture of, you know, you've got these great beasts like tigers that were just kind of sitting behind a cage and yawning and getting bored with these magnificent creatures. And, and then the, the, I can't remember who wrote the article, but he, he mentioned that he'd recently been reading Ezekiel and this picture of this wild God. And, you know, we we all could think of the, uh, Lewis's, you know, Aslan and that, that whole image. And so, but the whole yawning at tigers, just that phrase hit me and, resonated in terms of what I see happening in, in the American church hmm. of, of preaching a tamed version of God, kind of creating a God in our image that, that fits our modern sensibilities and our tendencies and, and all of that. And so I think that it was compelling to me personally. I hadn't, I don't know if I've ever read through Ezekiel other than probably when I was assigned to read through the Old Testament. The Bible reading you know. plan back in, back in yeah, college or yeah, whatever. exactly. Yeah. So I hadn't read through it forever. He yeah. just mentioned the book, but I was really compelled by the idea. In the article, he mentioned the book. He mentioned Ezekiel. Ezekiel yes, as that, a place to recapture exactly. the craziness of God. Yep. And, and so that just kind of set me. I was like, yeah, that that is so where we are as a culture. Wow. And um, I felt like if we can recapture the vision of this big, why? I mean, really, the God that you experience from Genesis to Revelation, right? Um, but that we've kind of tamed, and so that that's about as far as I got with that. And I thought, gosh, that that's compelling. 
And so that, that started me thinking along the lines of Ezekiel. Yeah. So when did you, what, what like said it like, okay, I'm going to preach a series on Ezekiel. Like what was the moment or what were the factors that kind of led to that? Yeah. I, um, I don't remember if there was a moment. Honestly, I think it was reading the article. I was, I finished the article and I was like, we're going to do that. And it was just a matter of timing. So, you know, I, I think I may have read it probably in like, probably read in like September of 2000, I guess 16, that would okay. have been, and then preached it three months later. Three months later, yeah. Okay. So it's probably the, the next main series that we went through. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I probably finished that article going, we're going to do this at some point. And I didn't even know if it'd be Ezekiel at the time. The other thing is I've never done a major prophet and, you know, I've been teaching for about 12 years and I've done a series on the minor prophets. Okay. Uh, like a, like a, maybe a six to eight week series. You take a minor prophet per week. Yeah. Um, we've done some old Testament. So I've avoided all the major prophets. And so I didn't, I didn't land on Ezekiel. I, I just started thinking about Isaiah, yeah. Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Isaiah felt so massive. Yeah. Um, and the minor prophets, they seem more accessible because, yep. you know, what is Joel? Like four chapters? Four or, chapters. You know, it's, it's like the Philemon of the minor prophets or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. And they really, I mean, the minor, they become a topical study. Like, right. what's in here? It's social justice, this one, or right. idolatry, or, right. you know, so yeah. Yep. Yeah. But like Ezekiel is like, what is it, 49? Yeah. Unwieldy yeah. chapters uh -huh. of, you know, how yep. do you do it? It's shorter than Isaiah. Shorter than Isaiah, but and it was it, of the three majors, it was one I was least familiar with. Okay, which I was attracted to that. I thought that would be fun for me to dive into something that is completely fresh. Yeah, I could come up with one or two major moments in that book off the top of my head. Otherwise, it was just a blank. Yeah. you know, I hadn't, hadn't read it for so long. So I, I liked the challenge of something that would be fresh to everybody, um, and that was fresh to me. And so I, I kind of spent some time looking at the three books. Yeah, and and then uh, pretty quickly landed on Ezekiel without even having read through it all, but just kind of looking at it and going, I think, yeah, I think I'm gonna tackle Ezekiel. Yeah, now one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about this series is I, I think that there are pastors out there who would love to do something like this, mm -hmm. but it is just so far off the radar. I mean, for yeah. one, most pastors that I know kind of lean towards the New Testament. Uh -huh. Jesus is pretty explicit. <laughs> it's a little easier to do, right? Uh -huh. And then if you're going to do the Old Testament, there's a, there's a lot of real estate in the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, but those but they're long, they're they're crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, even Ezekiel crazy. And and I think if you are if you are talking to someone out, I, what I want to do with this is just make it a little bit more accessible. Like how, sure. how did you go about doing this? Like how yeah. did you divide this up? But that's a little bit about why I want to do this uh -huh. is um, easy. It was fascinating. I just felt like um, when I was sitting in and listening to you teach, it was like, I felt like we were walking places that very few churches walk. And <laughs> yeah. that was a really cool. Like we're angels fear, I think <laughs> is the Yeah, phrase. essentially, but why not? Yeah. Yeah. Like what are we what are we afraid of uh -huh. to jump into Ezekiel? Mm -hmm. So, so what were you afraid of to jump? Into yeah, Ezekiel? well, gosh, uh, I, I mean, to, to to your comment though, I, I think I would just encourage people. I mean, I I think people are hungry for this. You know, I think we're we're afraid, or we we don't um, give people the benefit of the doubt. But I think challenging people with something fresh, different, weird, mm -hmm. wild, mm -hmm. emotionally challenging. I think people appreciate it. Huh. 
And so I think as a pastor, there's this, you know, your natural tendency is to avoid certain controversial things or, you know, just you, you don't want to, you know, it's, it's a natural bent. But I've found that the people like that. They, they, they want to see something different. And they, they, even people who are buying into a sort of a tame version of God, I think we all long for this God who is, is bigger yeah. and is wild and, and calling people to step up and to, to kind of enter into something that's a little out of their comfort zone. I think as long as you do it with the right tone and posture, I think people actually really are excited to do it. Mm. Um, that was my experience. And what's great is for me, the, the pressure I feel every Sunday, and we have a pretty biblically literate group here, right? I'd say compared to the average congregation. So I'm always feeling the pressure of, all right, we're going to be in this passage. You know, right now we're in Philippians. We're going to be in a passage in Philippians. These people have read 30 times. They've heard five sermons on it. And so for me, I always feel the weight of, I've got to have something fresh mm. and new to bring to a very familiar passage. And for me, that, that, um, that pressure to just bring a freshness to an mm. old thing, that's a, that's a weight. Uh, that's a weekly weight that I feel. And so the, the great thing about Ezekiel is <laughs> none of that. Hands up, who's read Ezekiel? <laughs> yeah. Like people are hearing this for the first time. And right. so in some ways, it's an easier communication moment uh, because you don't have to do that. The, the, you can just invite people into the passage and there's, there's an immediate interest and a, and a curiosity. Yeah. And a, there's no one that's saying, I've already got this down. So I think... Those are just a couple of things I'd say. Is is uh, there's a that that brings actually a freedom as a communicator to me. Yeah. It did. So so you're sitting now. You've read this article. You're like, we got to do Ezekiel. Um, how do you even begin? Yeah. Like, what did you do? What were your resources like? How did you start down this path? Uh huh. So the front end work for this series was more than probably any other series besides Revelation. But the, the, just a ton of front end work. And, and I decided to start by reading it. <laughs> Turns oh my out. gosh, Dave. That is crazy. It's crazy. So I, before I jumped to a bunch of commentaries, I, and it was funny because I was thinking, what, 48, 49, whatever, I can't remember how many chapters, um, to read through it a couple times is a lot of time. So, I actually, I haven't done this since my seminaries. I took my physical NIV, thin line, you know, thin page Bible, and I photocopied it. Yeah. I made physical, you know, in half by 11 photocopies, and I color-coded the thing. I mean, I haven't done this for 15 years. So I just started reading, and I started color-coding themes, and I started writing, you know, things in the, you know, the margins, and just making, trying to take each page and, and identify themes. And that took a lot of time. I can remember doing this. You know, I was starting up in the first of the year, and I was, I was still in um, Christmas break, and I was uh, pouring through, just reading, just reading and reading and reading, and identifying themes and kind of the salient points of passages, and also looking at what were the, you know, Ezekiel's got these amazing images throughout it, right? It's wild, and identifying the images that really hold the book together, what are the core images and metaphors of the book and um so i was old school color coding yeah on paper so good and, and yeah and that and really and and after i did that and then just you just kind of step back and look at it and i thought through 
you know, how long do we want this series to be? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking in the, I think it was in the four to five month range. It's probably a third, it was a third of the year, actually, probably four months. So that kind of set me on a, um, I think it was about a 13 week. Yeah. Is that what it was? I 13? counted 13 and then a 14th as kind of review. That's right. Congregational sharing. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So, so that set some parameters for what I could accomplish. And, um, and I can tell you more about the themes, but I literally color coded it. Yeah. And, and I love it. Themes. I love, I mean, I, when I was doing my work in, in Hebrews, my doctoral work, I had numerous photocopies of the book of Hebrews and uh-huh. I just marked up all over the place. I was just talking with, um, with Josh Harrison over at Rock Harbor. And he said when he got into Luke, he just took one of their pew Bibles. Uh-huh. Instead of photocopying, he just took one of their pew Bibles <laughs> yeah, just and he up. just marked all, you know, <laughs> yeah. just just kind of confiscated the 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 pew Bible. Uh, I, but I do think like there's something about like having it. I mean, I'll even put it on the wall, you know, yeah. and so uh-huh. you can just see something about my own head when I look at something to see it all in one fell mm-hmm. swoop and see kind of how that all works and. Um, but getting it down and being able to mark it up, that's, uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So you read it. So I actually read it, yeah. turns out. Which, um, by the way, if you're keeping score at home, only 48 chapters in Ezekiel. Thank you. So we're, we're I think I said 49 first. So, so yeah, my mistake, you know, don't turn the podcast off. There's a 49th chapter. These guys don't know what the heck they're talking they're, they're about. Earliest manuscripts yeah. include. <laughs> it's the lost 49th chapter of Ezekiel. <laughs> that's, right. that's, that's, I think, what we're going to title this, this, <laughs> this episode. Um, okay, so, so you started reading it, and you figured out, I'm going to do 13 weeks, and it's 49 chap, 48 chapters. Not everything's going to make it in. Not everything's going to make it in. Yeah. Yeah, so I, um, the way I divided in my head was you've got, you've got a couple opening chapters where you have uh, Ezekiel's vision of the Lord and his call, really his vocation right. as a prophet to the people in exile. Right. That and just kind of sets the scene. Sets the what scene. What is it, like the first eight chapters or the first... Uh, no, even just the first couple chapters. Okay. Two, two, two or three chapters really sets the scene of his call okay. um, and God coming to him there in yeah. exile. So I, I was going to, I knew I needed some, with Ezekiel, you needed a couple big picture weeks. Um, and then he launches into about 30 chapters of judgment. Uh, I think I think chapter 34 is the hinge. Right. And then you get about 14 chapters of this these great promises of, of restoration right. and right. return to the land and, you know, spiritual renewal and then... Uh, new new earth kind of stuff and right. and so what I what I ended up doing was uh, I took I think I took about three or four weeks to set up this I wanted to start with this idea of yawning at t- this this wild God which the vision that he gives Ezekiel resets up in those early chapters a couple big picture setups and then I, I did five weeks on judgment mm-hmm. and five weeks on on restoration salvation that all of that. So we got a nice, uh, fair even split between judgment, and, which the book doesn't actually split quite that nicely. So right. I, I softened it in terms of just the sheer number of weeks. Yeah, no, you did. You were pretty, um, if you were looking at it, just from the looking at the, the sermons, you've got a couple in chapter one. Um, you've got one that is like two at chapter two and three. You've got another one on chapter four and five, another one on six and seven, and then chapter eight. Um, 
And then essentially you have these hinge, uh, the judge, some more judgment passages. Uh -huh. And then next thing you know, like you go from Ezekiel 16 to then Ezekiel 34. Yeah, <laughs> right. There's the turn. Yep. Yeah. So that's, yep. so, so there's, and there's a lot of stuff in there. Yes. Um, that didn't make it in. Mm -hmm. um, particularly some of the, like, as I was looking at it, there's a lot of, so you, you did preach on God's judgment of the nation of of Israel, God's, uh -huh. God's people. But one thing you didn't mention, you didn't get into, was kind of God's judgment of the nations. This kind of everything that's wrong with the world, uh -huh. God is going to come down on. Um, what was that decision like? I mean, some people yeah. would, would be frothing at the mouth to kind of, <laughs> um, to really launch into a real critique of the culture and everything that's wrong with the world. Like, what was what was that? Yes, like for you? yeah, yeah, yeah. Ezekiel, just for people, if you haven't read it, you get just a lament for you. He just launches into whatever. It's probably five or six chapters straight on the various nations that have participated in the evil that's going on. Right. And I think I. I wanted to get at the theme of judgment. So I, w the way I broke, I think I did two weeks on judgment, in gen kind of God's judgment in general, uh, both towards his people, but just judgment, and helping us get our heads around judgment. And then I spent three weeks on the reason for judgment, which was idolatry, which okay. we could talk about. But I think my thought is I'm speaking to Christians primarily. Um, I'm trying to remember why I, 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 I thought I want to get at judgment. I don't want to soften judgment, but I want people, I don't want people to walk away going, I'm so glad those other people are going to get judged by God. <laughs> you know, I think that's probably, I wanted people to feel the, gosh, am I living a life huh. that is placing me under the judgment of God? And that's where Israel was at the time. Right. And so Israel felt like the connection point with mm. The church in America in 2017, yeah. when, when I, you know, when I did this, and so I think that was partly just the, I, I, def, I definitely didn't want to soften judgment, yeah. but in terms of the judgment of those people out there, right. that didn't feel like a message that I guess I was as compelled to, to share, and so that was really the the main stuff I left out, uh, chapters was surrounding that, or it was material and themes that were very much repeated right. through different metaphors, and I basically. Right. If there was a metaphor for idolatry or judgment, I, I picked the one I liked the most, or I thought the right. most was most compelling, right. and that became the the representative sample of that particular thing. Right. There's a lot of recycling of a lot of and yes. language yep. in in there. So let's talk about taking that. I mean, this is Ezekiel happens, kind of the first wave of the Babylonian attack on Jerusalem. They take a bunch of people captive. Ezekiel's among them, but this is before Jerusalem falls. Yeah. Um, so how did you bridge that, the judgment of Israel for their essentially idolatry, breaking the covenant, um, to the congregation here at Grace? Yeah. Well, so as I read through it, I mean, I, idolatry, you mentioned that. Idolatry became, for Ezekiel, that is the, that is the essence of Israel's disobedience. And, you know, other prophets focus on, you know, uh, injustice, uh, not caring for the poor, you know, and, and there's that's sprinkled in Ezekiel, but, but idolatry is really the, the key one that keeps, you keep coming back to that again and again. And so, so that, and I didn't know that before I read, read it, but I discovered that's clearly it. And so what we did is we spent three weeks on idolatry. Mm. And I think idolatry is such as, you know, such an easy uh, connection point between ancient world 
and modern world in terms of, you know, what are these substitute gods, these sort of functional saviors that we go to in life uh, to that we are clinging to apart from the one true God. And so it, it felt like a, a, a fairly easy, even though their context is so ancient and you're, you know, you're talking about these, these uh, wooden figures carved like snakes and these it's sort of these almost Indiana Jones type right. scenes. Sacrificing animals to a yeah. statue. Yeah. Right. And so, so helping people make the connection between that and wh- where do we go? Yeah. Uh, you know, and so my words, I usually go to, I'll often say, where do we go for security? significance or satisfaction where we're we going for ultimate security and that's where they were they were clinging to these other gods are what are going to keep us safe that's right you know they're gonna this is maybe what can fend off the, the gods of egypt and yeah the gods we're of gonna, egypt. they're gonna egypt's gonna protect us tyre's gonna protect yep. us and we're gonna make these alliances with right with, yes exactly that's that's where we're gonna find security right and so so i think that that issue of where do we go hmm. to to find security to secure our future in in life uh to make ourselves feel safe um, apart from God, you know, there's some real obvious. So, what were the three S's? It was security, security, significance, and satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the significance is is you know about identity. What are we What are we banking on to to have a sense of this justifies my existence? Mm-hmm. This is what makes me a, a substantial person in the world. Um, satisfaction is an easy one. You know, where do I ultimately? What am I? What am I worshiping? Where do I find pleasure? And right. Um, but the the thing with idolatry, I, I was when I was going through Ezekiel, I was also reading some stuff about Ignatius, and and he um, that was actually for me the the linchpin that that made the connection between ancient and modern. And he he uses the language of of attachments, and he talks about ordered attachments and disordered attachments. And uh, ordered attachments are are you know God gives us all these gifts in the world: uh, family, friends, food, health money, you name it, right? And um, they're, they are that. They're gifts. They're beautiful gifts. They're beautiful gifts from the giver, meant to be enjoyed, and uh, we're to use them, enjoy them, be grateful for them, and never confuse them with the giver, of course. Uh, and it, that's an ordered attachment. Is uh, I, I experience this as, I experience God through this gift, right. and I can serve Him through the use of this gift as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, a disordered attachment is when the gift gets in the place of the giver, and I start going to this thing to find those three S's yeah. rather than God Himself. Rather than through the thing, back through to the God. thing, yeah. So, so we that that was the language I started talking about is mm-hmm. these things in our lives that God intended to be these windows through which we experience Him, a good meal physical health, you know, um, that they actually can become these barriers, these stumbling blocks. And Ezekiel uses the language of stumbling block, right. which, of course, Jesus takes up as well. And uh, so these these things that, that, that instead of being windows to God, they become barriers mm-hmm. to God uh, when our attachment to them is disordered. And, and every single person in the room relates to that so well, whether you, you know, or a parent of little kids that yeah. you can develop a because everybody has experienced the good gifts of God. Oh yeah, and has confused the good gift of God. Yes, with God, right? Himself, with God Himself. Yeah, and so two people can be living a very similar life with a similar gift, and one can be a very healthy attachment, and one can be a very unhealthy attachment, mm-hmm. and it's not always easy to see on the you know on the outside. And 
So that, you know, it's, in some ways it feels a long way from um, sacrifices to, you right. know, these, these pagan uh, idols to 2017. But I think in terms of what they're, the, the, the core things that they're hoping for in those idols and the mm-hmm. core things that we're hoping for in our idols is, is pretty similar. Yeah. So it, it became, really three weeks almost became a topical series on idolatry, right. um, which I hadn't intended when I started, but the, it was a really nice way to right. succinctly get at the issue. And um, so that, I think that was for me personally, the, the, the biggest surprise and the, the funnest surprise okay. of Ezekiel was finding a, a theme that had a lot of good continuity and to me felt incredibly relevant ironically going back to a document that's so ancient and you know culture you're so right. far removed from the culture and the language and the images and it felt actually more relevant than some of the new testament you know epistle yeah. sermons that i've done right right um, which i wasn't expecting one thing that um to me back to chapters one and two that brought it home i thought that brought ezekiel back into the 21st century so when you were preaching it, it was right in kind of the middle of the Syrian refugee crisis. People are mm-hmm. fleeing That's right. from Syria on boats. They're landing in Cyprus and in Greece and in all these places. And in chapter one, <laughs> Ezekiel is sitting in a refugee camp by mm-hmm. an irrigation channel. Mm-hmm. And he has a vision of God. And to me, it was like, this didn't happen in a Southern California church. <laughs> This didn't happen in, you know, the comfort of some villa somewhere. This happened in a refugee camp. Yeah. By an irrigation channel. Yeah. Like where people are eking out their existence far from their homes on the run, essentially, uh-huh. taken prisoners. And here is this that God chooses to show up to this man. Yeah. This man who is who's wrestling through this is the year he should have been installed as a priest in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. All this disappointment, all this heartache, all this pain, all the things that he can't unsee. And here's God saying, hey, I want to show you a little bit of who I am. Mm-hmm. And I got, and I have something for you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that I remember when you, when you mm-hmm. had kind of brought that, this, here's this, this refugee camp and yeah. God's showing up. It was poignant. Yeah, no, I for me too. Yeah, when finding a modern equivalent, and you can, yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, it's the by the Kabar River, right? Which we can kind of romanticize <laughs> that. It's not a river, most likely. It is what what, what you said, and and uh, yeah, no, I I that was that was powerful to me. I mean, yeah. you know, I've just just mentioned you just come back from Haiti, right. you know, and seeing seeing some of these kids and these people mm-hmm. living in a in a place that's very different from Orange County and. And uh, thinking, yeah, that's kind of the situation where God shows up. And to a former priest, like you said, right. you know, and, and, that, and that's the beauty of the vision that he receives is that vision is not supposed to happen anywhere but in the temple. Right. And so to be, you know, hundreds of miles away in a what place. What the heck is the glory of the Lord doing in Babylon? Yeah, right, right. That's, that is a beautiful, <laughs> that's a great sermon right there. That is, that is. And, um, you know, another thing that stood out to me was, um, so God says, hey, look, Ezekiel, I, I, I'm sending you. And you're going to tell them that they've broken my covenant. And you're going to warn them that Jerusalem's going to fall. And they're not going to listen to you. <laughs> yep. So, so, I mean, when you're, when you're, do you ever feel like that, Dave? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just preaching myself there. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that was a fun, 
you know, I think that was the third sermon. Uh, really, it was a sermon on vocation, right? Essentially, right? right? And and uh, and what a, what a vocation! I mean, and God says, I, you know, here's how I'm going to equip you. I'm going to steal your head. You know, they're hard, they're hard headed, hard heart. I'm going to make your head as hard as theirs, uh, so that you can you can do this this ministry. And and uh, again, that was a surprising message that came up. But I was excited to to teach that. Um, to help people, I mean, around here, where how we define success, right? In in our culture today, is you know, there's all these metrics, but but to go like, what is what is success for Ezekiel, mm. right? <laughs> I mean, God's already already told them what's going to happen, so what you know, what is success uh, vocationally for for him? And and obviously, success is faithfulness, right? right? That's it's faithfulness to what God has called you to do. Mm. And so I, I was excited to try to bless people with that sense of vocation. Like that is what you're, you, you may be called to very challenging, whatever, marriage, kids, job, circumstances, you know, you name it. They're not going to be as hard as Ezekiel's. But, right. but to, to, to be able to bless people and say, it, God is asking for faithfulness. He, he's not asking for a certain outcome because Ezekiel got a horrible outcome and and, and even to be able to like to step back and look at our lives from God's larger story, like I remember in that sermon saying, you know, if you just look like the narrative arc of the Old Testament, right, where um, it starts, let's see, with David, it starts real high and then it kind of drops down. There's this really low point and then it pops back up, right, and they return from exile. And Ezekiel's right at the bottom mm-hmm. of that, or towards the towards the very bottom. Right. Actually, not all the way. Right, Jerusalem, like you said, hasn't been destroyed. Right. But chapter thirty three. Chapter thirty three is when Jerusalem's yeah. destroyed. That's right. right. And he receives news of that. And uh, so to go, you play this part mm. in God's narrative. You're a good guy in the steep downward mm. curve of God's narrative, and that's just where you find yourself mm. in the larger scheme of things. And and to to be able to sit with that and go, that has to be okay. Uh, it was for Ezekiel. And then to right. kind of set our lives in that larger, like I might be, I might be part of a narrative that I'm not, I don't want to be a part of. Yeah. And yet faithfulness, God has a faithful role for me in that yeah. arc. And of course, God asks Ezekiel to do some very strange street theater. <laughs> yeah. Like, what does he do? He he asks a, he builds a model of Jerusalem yeah. in this city. That's right. And then he just plays. He's like, let's lay siege to the yeah. city. Yeah, <laughs> ancient, ancient Legos. And yeah, ancient Legos. Yeah. Break it down and do that. And he cuts off his hair and then he chops it all up. And then right. he lays on his side like the scapegoat. That's right. For, yeah, uh, for a um, long time. For a long time. He eats food that's cooked over poop. Food over poop. That's right. Beautiful. <laughs> There's here's your job, Ezekiel. Yeah. Here's your vocation. Yep. Do that. Yeah. And that's faithfulness yeah. for him. And and uh, yeah, I mean, gosh, how unpopular. Yeah. You know, for for and and the the other thing about the vocation to, to that, he's not talking just to a rebellious people. He's talking to people who've been devastated. Right. You know, so to to continue to give a hard message, not only to hard-hearted people, but to hard-hearted and people who are in deep pain, who are, who are, are grieving the loss of family members. They've been, you know, everything they've known, wow. refugees. So wow. that it's just brutal. It's a yeah. brutal ask. And then God. this chapter 33 happens where someone comes from Jerusalem and says, Jerusalem's been destroyed. Yeah. 
And then Ezekiel in this arc of the story is not only the last one to preach judgment, mm-hmm. but is the first one then to preach hope. Yeah. So what is that? What what are his... And there's these beautiful... Um, this is where I think Ezekiel... And um, Gary Manning has written very well on um, the idea of Ezekiel and the Gospel of John and some of the images hmm. that overlap uh-huh. in some sure. of that. What are, what are some of the images that come out starting in like chapter 34 going on there? Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's, I, I don't know if I even made that connection with John. But yeah, the, the first big I- image is the image of shepherd, shepherd, which of course Jesus is the right, good shepherd in, in, right. in John's gospel. Uh, and so God uh, identifies himself as the good shepherd, and he, and he, he actually uh, pronounces judgment on the shepherds of Israel. Right. right Shep- shepherds who feed themselves. That's right. Yeah. So uh, you have the, such a devastating image. Yes. And, and uh, that was a lot of soul searching for me as, you mm-hmm. know, on staff as at a shepherd. church and as a shepherd. And so he, he basically says the shepherds have failed. And it's really interesting. It's two, th- two things. He says, so I myself will shepherd Israel. I'm going to, right. I'm going to go, I'm going to go out to the lost sheep of Israel and I will be their shepherd. Wow. And that's, I mean, what you said, you know, what's God doing in Babylon? You know, well, he's, he's reaching out to he's his coming lost. to find a sheep. Yeah, he's come to find a sheep. Hmm. And he says, two inch, he says, I myself will be their shepherd. But then in the next breath, he says, David will be their shepherd. Mm-hmm. And I will send David and he will be their shepherd. And there will be one shepherd and one sheep. And uh, so you have both God saying that he'll be the shepherd and yet a man you know, his, and, and David and will be the shepherd. Right. And of course, Jesus brings all that together, right. you know, and, oh. and John is the God-man. And um, just beautiful imagery and this tender, you know, I'll carry them in my arms. I'll bring them back from exile. And so that, that's the, the first major image. And, and then the other image um, that comes to mind is for me the, the emotional heart of Ezekiel. And I think personally the, a passage that God used in my life um, when I came back to faith in my late teens, uh, I think, I don't know if the most famous, well, there's a couple more, but, but the, um, the image of, uh, of, of a new heart, you know, the, I'm going to remove your heart of stone mm-hmm. and give you a heart of flesh. And that's, that's repeated twice, chapter 11. That's right. Chapter that's 11 right. and chapter 36. Almost verbatim. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. So I skipped it in the early chapters, right. obviously, and, and, and t- yeah, waited for later, um, but those beautiful God, there's this twofold image of God's going to wash them clean, mm-hmm. uh, sprinkle clean water, right. and then He's going to remove the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh, moving them to obey His laws. And, and of course, that's that's just John three, right? Right. I mean, it's it. You got to be born again. You got to be born of the Spirit, right? Um, and the Spirit's coming. Like I will give them a heart. Of, I will take their heart of stone, give them a heart of flesh, and bring my Spirit in there. Yeah. And that and this to obey. To obey. This will be. No longer will you be hard-hearted. You'll be ready, but there will also be this empowerment of to the Spirit actually obey. to actually obey. Yeah. And so, yeah, Jesus says what? You'll be, what is it? You must be born of water and of Spirit. Right. And that's, that's Ezekiel 36. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that, for me, that, that, that heart of flesh image really moved me when hmm. I kind of came back to my faith personally. Hmm. And so I was, we spent two weeks on, on those we spent one week on the on the sprinkling, the water, the washing, yeah. and then of uh, the new heart. And I said, that's the gospel is the gospel of God, of God's Son and God's Spirit. You mm-hmm. know, God sends His Son to wash us clean. He yeah. sends His Spirit to give us new hearts. And um, so, what was that? So, it, preaching a passage that is so meaningful to you, yeah. Like, there's a sense in which I don't want to mess this up. Uh, like, yes. I want to, but also, like, I want. Did you? 
what did you want to accomplish? Like you come to a passage like this and I mean, there's so many things that, that you want to accomplish. Like what were some yeah. of the things that you were hoping like, oh, what, what could this be like? Like how did that yeah, work for I, you? I think, I think my heart was for people to com- connect emotionally and personally with it. I mean, that was my, that was my hope. I don't even remember how I structured those messages or kind of what, what, I, mm-hmm. what I did, but I, I can remember I, I want them, yeah, to, to, to really personalize and, and to go back, what, where have I seen God do this in my life? Mm-hmm. You know, where have I seen this, this softening uh, of heart and, um, and to just there, there be gratitude and, and, to, and to give a clear presentation of the gospel, of course, right. for people who, right. you know, don't know the, you need to be washed clean. Yeah. You need a new heart. And um, so I don't, I don't, I, I that's yeah. that my, my, my heart was, I wanted people to connect personally right. and even emotionally right. with it was my hope. And you did, you lingered there for a couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah, so we spent two weeks there that. on basically yeah. three verses, probably, two, right. you know, I don't know how many verses <laughs> it is, but right. so that's, and that's fun too, to be able to take us, you know, where I, basically skip over 10 chapters right. and then we linger for two, you know. <laughs> on two verses. Yeah. And no one knows what they're missing. So right. they're, you know, they're, they're <laughs> <laughs> it's Ezekiel. Yeah. Um, and then the last, kind of the last, I think maybe, well, there's other major images, but maybe the, the, dry one, bones. the, the Valley of Dry Bones, which is a beautiful, um, I think the Bible project, which, um, which you showed Bible project videos. Yeah, that's there. right. Yeah. That was, that was such a great resource to give people a large, you're hitting large swaths of a book, you know, right. and, Eight minutes. That was lovely. I love that. Yeah, yeah. those are great. And um, but um, I they in watching those videos, they compare the Valley of Dry Bones to this to a, a, a recreation scene back to Genesis two of taking mm. out of dust, out of nothing. There's breath that's breathed, uh-huh. and here's this valley of these decomposed bones, and God's breath, His Spirit, just rushes yeah. over this whole valley, and all of a sudden, sinew and muscles start to form and flesh. Mm-hmm and fully formed people come out of it brand new. Mm-hmm. Like what, I mean, yeah. if you spent the first half of your life preaching <laughs> doom and destruction, and then you spent the last part of your life preaching God will put flesh back on these bones, yeah. that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, well said. Man. Yeah, no, that, that uh, totally. I mean, just the, I love the recreation account and, um, yeah, what a message of hope. And, the, you know, the bones are not just, laying, they're dry. You know, they've been, huh. they've been dead for a while. And, and it just sums up Israel's experience. You know, there's this, the nation is done. There's, there's no hope. And so, yeah, I, 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 I can imagine Ezekiel was really happy. He's like, I'm so glad we've turned to chapter 34, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for chapter 34 for a long time. But, but it's so weird that it's, it's the it's the it's the news of ultimate destruction uh-huh. that inaugurates the new message out of Ezekiel. It, it, it yeah. I mean, who, who's who who gave the good preaching is the the role of good preaching is to to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfort. Right, you, we've heard that phrase. Yeah, and it really is. He he is doom 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 because people are still holding on to things. Right. Right. And the minute that their world is completely shattered, he has almost nothing but hope. And, huh. and uh, it is a really, really interesting turn. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the, yeah, the, that, that message was um, uh, the dry bones and, and God's ruach, right? His mm-hmm. breath right. was, was one of my favorite. It was a fun, 
mm-hmm. message. And what we did, we actually just traced his ruach through the Old Testament and into the New, huh. and started with uh, actually uh, Genesis one two, and huh. God's you know wind that was hovering over the waters, and, right. and then into Genesis two with breathing life into the man, and we even took it into God parting the Red Sea right. with His wind, with his and, ruach, you know, yeah. so through through this and then into into uh, John three, um, the wind blows where it wants, and that was a fun one, and, and it yeah. was actually fun. I, I freed myself from the need to explain much. Mm. And I wanted people just to be, I just wanted to proclaim and just catch a vision. Catch a vision. Yeah. And we're not going to try to explain this. And, and, but the, the miraculous, powerful presence of God that mm-hmm. can do anything, you yeah. know. And uh, so that was really fun. Oh, man. Ezekiel. And then the book ends with kind of this grand image of, I mean, uh, streams going into the mm-hmm. Dead Sea and a revitalization. Mm-hmm. And there's always the questions of like literal, figurative, <laughs> um, is this symbolic, is it, you know, and then es- eschatology and yes. is there going to be a rebuilt temple and, and all that stuff. Like, how did you? <laughs> yep. I just punted all of punt, that. Just, I literally. It's, third, it's fourth down and I, I am going to punt. I'm punting. So I, um, I think it's chapters 40 through 40. I think there's eight chapters yeah. of that, of, re, you know, let me show you the temple, the measuring right. of the temple, right. all the details of that. And then you get into that beautiful picture of the stream flowing from the temple right. and down into the Dead Sea and, and, and all of that. And so I, I decided, and I, I don't even know if it may have been midway through the series where, when I decided what I want to do that. I, I took one week on all those chapters. I punted yeah. all of the millennial, conver- you know, that, that whole conversation right. and wanted to give ultimately a picture of the new creation. Yeah. And, um, so that was a move, and we had been in Revelation, you know, right. before. So I was like, we've kind of we're been used down. to punting. We're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so I uh, I have and I have zero regrets about doing that. Yeah. I, I and uh, yeah. So it was one sermon, and it really we took yeah. that image of the stream and yeah walked that through, and then and then took that into Revelation twenty one and twenty two, and yeah. saw that you know there's so many echoes of Ezekiel forty through forty eight yeah. in in those last two chapters of Revelation. So. Which is what we all agree on: new heavens and new earth. Uh, however, we get there, let's we're get there. there. Let's just get there. So that's what I decided to yeah. do. Um, yeah. So how how did how did the con? I mean, you've alluded a little bit to this, but how did the congregation respond to this? You had a whole, we had a whole service of response. Yeah. A fourteenth message essentially, but how? Just through the whole process, how did people respond to this? I would say. I would say this is probably the sleeper series of my uh, of my pastoral career in terms of unexpected, didn't have expectations, and I think was really fruitful. I mean, low expectations is always nice to go in. So um, can't be disappointed. Can't be disappointed. Um, it certainly was that for me. I would say it was the most unexpectedly satisfying series that I've done in my time so far. Uh, and I would say generally, I think people appreciated the the big picture wildness of God who does things so that you will know that my name is the Lord. You know, that's the echo. Mm-hmm. So just that, that, that was sort of the big picture. God, God is God and he will do things that reveal to the whole world that he is God. Some of those things will be judgment. Some of those things will be salvation and mercy. I think that God-centered mm-hmm. theology, I think people appreciated. Um, I think people generally appreciated the fact that, hey, I, you know, 
kudos for trying. You know, <laughs> you, know I, you swung you big, swung, man. Swung big. You went yeah, to kudos, Ezekiel, kudos. Right. I, I respect that. I don't know yeah. if you if you hit a homer or not, but you swung. Um, uh, I think. Yeah, I'm trying to remember back. Uh, one of the, the the ones that I got the most positive feedback was on the on Ezekiel's vocation, and people who are going through just the messy seasons. Mm-hmm. And that reminder of, hey, success is simply faithfulness. Like, I got probably more feedback from that message than any. That was very um, confirming, uh, empowering to them. Uh, So I would say I got much more feedback in this series than than general. But, yeah, I think mostly people appreciated the the wildness of it and said, thank you. I I need that. You know, I I think we, we live... It's funny, I think the average Christian lives with this picture of God that, I mean, the way I say it, it's like somehow he's he's just gotten softer in his old age. You know, like when God was young in the Old Testament, he was he had energy and he was, you know, he's kind of gnarly and they, and he's just he's gotten softer in his old age. And and so I think the message, you know, God hasn't changed at all. God is the same wild God that we see in the Old Testament, which changes Jesus has come and died for our sins and a sacrifice that is sufficient has been offered. But the character of God remains the same. The wildness of God remains the same. And that's what's amazing that it's not that God has gotten softer. Now he's kind of a cuddly grandpa. The amazing thing is he is still that God, but we get to call that God dad. Mm -hmm. You know, we get to call that God Abba, not because he's changed, but because Jesus has changed the situation for us. And I think people appreciated trying to hold together the bigness of God and yet the the kindness and the mercy and the intimacy that we can experience with a big God. Yeah. Holding all that together in one person is hard to do. And so I think people appreciate at least the attempt. And that's what you get. I mean, you get the first half is is all that wildness. Yeah. But, and then the second half is this tender mercy and yeah. compassion and forgiveness. And that all is contained in one being, which is yeah. hard to kind of imagine. But yeah, it does. I think it also just gives a sense of the kind of the epic scope in yeah. in. In the church world, where it's like, how do I, how do I biblically manage my finances? You know, like, <laughs> right. well, yeah. Why don't we ask a bigger question? Like, uh-huh. let's let's zoom out from that. Like, let's yeah. get let's get pretty out and let's talk about. In one way, who cares? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the God is up to much larger larger things. Yeah. And, um, and I think I like the, I think the church in America in the last ten years has really reclaimed that the theme of story and narrative and you know seeing God's larger story and, and how do we find ourselves in that story and um, but it's His story yeah. you know and so I, yeah totally yeah. Ezekiel does a good job of that. Um, wh- were there any books that were kind of your companions through this? You mentioned Ignatius. Um, you mentioned or we talked about the Bible Project. Were there um, commentaries that you were? There were commentaries, and now I'm forgetting. I think it was on my logo, so I don't think I bought. I normally okay. buy a hard copy as I go through a book. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. Gosh, I can't remember what commentator I was going with. But I, I had one. I had. Um, I always have a more critical commentary and then a more uh, pastoral yeah. kind of practical commentary. Okay. And honestly, I can't. I can't remember. Well, we'll, we'll get them off off air, and um, and I'll yeah. put them in the show notes for Great. for people. But um, yeah, Dave, like I said, this, I hope that somebody out there is like, I want to preach on Ezekiel because, yeah. and I want to bring, I want to bring the bigness of God to my people um, and just let the chips fall where they may, like preaching a prophet where, who said, who's told 
they're not going to listen to you. Yeah. But you have to tell them about me anyway. Yeah. That's a pretty good thing. So. Yeah. I'm, I, I say go for it. <laughs> swing, 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 away. swing, swing. Well, thanks for taking time, Dave. Yeah, and thank it's you. It's been great to, to talk and to hear about the inner workings of, of that process. And uh, certainly hope it is helpful for those out there. Yeah. Thank you. It's been All a right. pleasure. If you'd like to listen to some of Dave's messages through Ezekiel, there are links on the show notes to his messages, as well as some of the resources that he made use of and put before the congregation, things like Yawning at Tigers, uh, the book by Drew Dyke, or Dave's Sermons on Ezekiel, or the Bible Project, which can be um, accessed by downloading the Read Scripture app. There's also a couple of links to some commentaries, the NIV application commentary on Ezekiel, and then Daniel Block's um, two-volume massive commentary on Ezekiel in the New International Commentary on the Old Testament series. Uh, if you're enjoying the teaching pastor, um, we just ask you to do a couple things. One, go to iTunes and write a review. Share the podcast with a friend or a pastor you know or a student that you know that's in seminary or just someone who wants to work on their craft of teaching um, and, or just want to be entertained. We try hard to entertain here. We do. We actually work hard to have a lighthearted seminary level but practitioner-focused conversation about moving from passage to message for anyone who teaches the Bible. So pass that along, and we'll catch you next time on the next episode of the Teaching Pastor Podcast. I hear the good Lord say, well done.